This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 308. Never send a lonely proposal because if they don't like point two, you go, all right, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Get curious again. They go, well, we've had this in the past and that didn't work out the way you wanted. What was it about that didn't work? They tell you the thing. Okay, well, our one's different because of this and it works in this way or no problem. We can take that out. And you can actually change the proposal there with them. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. It's fabulous to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive coach and a coach instructor. I have taught and mentored over a thousand coaches over the past 14 years. And here's something that I know to be true. I know that when we use the kinds of skills that come with coaching, whether it is as a coach or a leader, or a salesperson, or a parent, we are going to communicate differently, and we are going to have more impact. And because I believe so strongly about the importance of that, that's one of the reasons why I bring the Star Coach Show to you each week, so that we can dive into what is coaching, and what do we need to do to help create success for you so that you can bring your coaching into the world. Well, one of the other things that I know to be true after working with over a thousand coaches is that it is often the concept of running the business or the business of the business, as one of my former mentors used to say, that can tie us up in knots a little bit or get in the way. Because we love to coach, we love to connect with others, use our deep listening help evoke awareness in other people, really care about being present with them and focused on them, which might be the only time all day that that person gets 100% focus on them. However, the ins and outs of running a business and doing things like writing proposals can throw a barrier up and just make us stop in our tracks. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. I have invited Russell Pearson to the show. Russell is a business strategist. He's a designer, a keynote speaker, and an artist. Now, in our discussion prior to the interview of what we wanted to talk about, Russell could have brought just so many different things to the show. But we dove into the concept of proposals because I think there is a rabbit hole around proposals. We can chase that and then fall down that Alice in Wonderland deep, dark hole and never come back out again. And Russell has a definite philosophy about proposals, and he's going to walk through a process with us about the way we think about engaging with prospects and the way that we respond when asked to submit a proposal, or if we're quick to say, let me send you a proposal. 
Let's put a stop sign up on each of those and really listen to what Russell is recommending because we don't want to end up with those crickets. We spend hours putting time into a proposal. We send it into this deep, dark hole and never hear back again or wonder, why is it taking so long? When am I going to hear back? Russell's got answers for all of that. Russell has been working with passionate yet frustrated business owners to transform the way they grow their organizations for over 25 years. He's the founder of the Crimson Fox Creative Studios. He hosts the Marketing Report podcast, and he's the past national president of Professional Speakers Australia. So please get as excited as I was to spend time with Russell. Let's go to my interview now, and we'll see you on the other side. Russell Pearson, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been exciting to even uh, think about it. We had a talk about all the different things you could offer and really landed on proposals because I think that it's one of those elements that coaches and consultants need to be able to provide a proposal yet. Like, how do I do that? What's the best way to do that? We're going to get into all the ins and outs of that in our time together, but I'd love to start first with a little bit about what's led you to do the kind of work you do. What do you enjoy about the work you do? Yeah, okay. I started as a designer like uh, over 25 years ago, and I fell in love with the, the concept of design. And I'm not sure if you know any designers. Maybe not personally. I don't know that mm. I do. Well, the visual ones, and because I was mainly in the visual space to start with, are very much in love with the aesthetic. You know, they're very much in love with the thing in front of them that's like looking a certain way. And you got audio, in, you know, uh, audio designers and things like that. They're looking at the thing in front of them, and then once you get into it for a while, you start sort of stepping back and going, "Oh, hang on, there's a purpose for the thing that I'm doing. It fits into a larger scheme here, and like it fits into a campaign." And then from there into a, a purpose that the the business owner is trying to deliver, and and then you go wider and wider and wider until you get to business design, and then lifestyle design, and all the things, the reason why we're in business. And it's just it started with that first step into design. And then this is back in the the 90s, the early 90s, before design thinking was a thing. You know, we were doing that sort of work. And so being able to broaden out from the aesthetic to the you know, life design was really what it was all about. And that was a journey of 25 years to get here. Oh, how neat. And as, as you do the kinds of work you do, where do you see people primarily like when it comes to being a, a strategist about our building, our businesses, what yeah. are some of the things that you see we're missing? Where are the gaps with small business owners that you see as they strategize? Well, well, now I tend to work with like just ultra smart people, right? So uh, a lot of consultants, some coaches, and they're usually a hell of a lot smarter than I am. And with that comes the the overcomplication of just about everything they're doing in their business. <laughs> so on one hand, they've got like, there must be a better way. I can do this better. And on the flip side, it's like, I should be able to do this on my own, uh, which is a massive uh, gap for, for most super smart business people is that they, they feel they need to solve it on their own. 
And it's certainly not how I got to where I am. I, I It was a series of mentors that actually helped me to get here. And that in itself, just taking on mentors for the, the areas where you want to accelerate in, mm-hmm. the, the areas you want to improve in, I think is what most people step away from and therefore don't get the success they want as fast as they want. I love that. And coaches should love that because in fact, isn't that what we want to do? We want to help partner with people to get them to meet their goals. And actually, as business owners, we need to be doing the same thing. I don't know how often I say coaches need to have coaches as well. And I have two in that space. So I have one on the business side and I have one on the coaching side. Uh, And because I'm always, you know, there's a a line from a a guy who's now passed, uh, Cavett Roberts, who set up the um, National Speakers Association in America or in the US. And... Cabot always said, uh, school's never out for the professional. And I became the national president of professional speakers here in Australia. And that always stuck with me because I think the opportunity for all of us as advisors, as experts, as coaches, is to, to get better at the way that we help people. And so whether we're 30, 40, 60, 80, even 90, I've got some of my, my best mentors are around 90 years old and continuing to learn. Because that's exactly what makes them a mentor worth following. I think that they're yeah. not like, okay, I'm done. I'm like, I've got it all. I've, I am who I am and, and all that. And, and then the moment you realize, the moment you realize you're good, yeah, 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 that, that, there's the gap. Because right. I'm one of those believers, you know, people talk about mastery. I, I don't believe there's any true mastery in that there's always opportunity to improve. Yeah, and if we come in with the the learner's brain to to almost every situation, there is so much more we can learn. I, I started back in design, learning about fundamentals, and then I spent the next fifteen years overcome overcomplicating those fundamentals. <laughs> and and well, realize- that seems to be a theme: how we overcomplicate our own lives. So I'm guessing that keeping it simple is one of the things that we're going to be looking, yeah. or at least maybe we want to look through that lens of: are we overcomplicating things? Well, you know, and, and also being a coach, I realize that every single thing I'm saying is just reflecting back at me. So, yeah, I was in that journey myself. Overcomplicated stuff, realized why the fundamentals were so important and actually got back to basics. Excellent. So with that lens that we're looking through, I know that it can be stressful, particularly for any of you who are relatively new to your businesses and you're, uh, you might be in a place of wanting to step into some business that requires a proposal that requires laying out what it is that you're offering. And and Russell, you and I talked about the fact that a huge part of this is then you, you do all this work and then you get ghosted. It's like Oof. you don't hear back. It's the most sort of sh- soul-crushing kind of... <laughs> it I really is. So much time and energy and effort and into this. And then crickets. I just don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. So... So many things we want to kind of look at when we think about there's good ways to do proposals and not so good ways to do proposals. Mm -hmm. I want to throw it to you. Where should we start on this topic? And it's a small topic, but it can be so big because it plays into everything else, whether it's it's sales in a much broader way, uh, marketing's role in that, and then where the proposal fits. Okay. Yeah. So many different things we could look at. Guys, you might not see Russell right now, but his wheels are turning. So with all of those things that are going on, what's the best place to start? Well, the best place to start is understanding that uh, it is not our job to, with the client in front of us, it is a far more effective way to address their wants than needs. 
And why I say that is because I see, you know, startup businesses, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, even coaches spending two years building a program only to discover that it's not particularly what people want, even though they know that they need it in the, in the world. It needs to exist, right? And so when it comes to proposals, everyone wants, well, that's a terrible statement. A lot of people want to give everything they've got to the proposal rather right. than what that person in front of them wants. Ooh. Okay. So we get all guns in there. We're throwing everything but the kitchen sink into our proposal. And do Mm -hmm. we even know for sure that that's what the customer is looking for? Yeah. And there's some really, there's some great people out there who push forward marketing and sales. And uh, some of them bear my name, like Russell Brunson. And he's developed this thing called the value stack. And it didn't come from him, it came from other people before him. But he talks about, you know, making sure you've got at least 10 things stacked up so that this thing is of high value. But it's a mass market approach because it's selling without having a conversation. And as coaches, really, we want to get in there with, in the trenches with our uh, clients and actually have a conversation to really understand them. And so there's no need to do a value stack because when you create the 10 things that they must have, the majority of the time, people are going to go, well, two of those things I care about, therefore, 80% of this proposal I'm going to disregard and therefore devalue. Or they're going to see one thing in there they've tried before and really it didn't work for them. And therefore, they're going to discount the entire proposal. Okay. So we're learning what we don't want to do. Let's look at what we, and I'm hearing here, we start with a conversation. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So what would that 100%. look like? So uh, I call it a priority conversation. I've got my own mentors, uh, Taki Moore over here in Australia. He calls it a triage. But the concept is to actually understand if the person in front of us, before we even do anything like a proposal, has a gap that we can, we can fill. In other words, they're at a place where they, want, where they are now and they want to get over here. Now, uh, for instance, in my world, it tends to be uh, sales and marketing. If they're having relationship issues, that's not my space. Okay, so I'll refer them off to someone else. And so you're trying to disqualify people early days. So you're not creating these proposals for people who are not ready for them or want them. So you've got- Or that you don't even want to work with. It might not be your sweet spot. So why would you put your energy into that? And that's interesting because early on, uh, a lot of younger coaches will be like, uh, well, I can help everybody. So I should help everybody. But yeah, trying to actually create, uh, if it's not a niche, at least a problem that you're very good at solving, an outcome you're very good at creating. So you've got this gap. The other is that the second one's problem. So they need to identify that there is a problem. So if the client doesn't say, this is my challenge or this is the outcome I'm trying to get to and I can't do it, if they say, well, none of this is really that much of an issue, then there's no Why problem to solve. Why are we talking? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there may be ways with uh, all sorts of different coaching techniques to get to the heart of that problem, uh, but you're doing a lot of work beforehand and there is a lot of people to help. So uh, helping people who identify they've got a problem is a far, much faster way to have a uh, proposal close. And finally, is it a priority? So you can say to someone, you know, is this something you want to do in, you know, 24 months? Is this something you want to do now? Is this urgent? Understanding if it is a priority. And, you know, I've, I've had people say, oh, you know, it, it really is a priority. It's something I've really got to be thinking about in the next nine months. That's not a priority. Right. Right. So, so is it a priority? And if it is, then you can move to that next stage, which is really to, to design a proposal. Now, that's the difference about what we're talking about today, which is collaborating on a design of a proposal versus creating a proposal blind. 
Excellent. So a couple of things I want to highlight before we move into that collaborative design, which is so key, is first of all, in my experience of 30 plus years now of being a business owner, rarely is my timeline and the customer's timeline the exact same thing. So be aware of that. You know, be asking those questions about just what does their timeline look like? One of the other things that is a pet peeve of mine, and I'll go ahead and say it, and it'll probably cost me business, is that often a large organization will say, okay, they'll put out a request for proposal. They'll put an incredibly short deadline to get everything in to them. And then you don't hear anything for months because all of a sudden for the organization, other priorities have come up and that proposal that was a priority two minutes ago is no longer a priority. I mean, I'm just laying this out, people, so that as you're listening to this, you understand that there's lots of different things that will come up when you're working with large organization. And at the same time, maybe even, and I'll throw this to you, Russell, but maybe even being cautious about what big RFPs you respond to, because that might not be your sweet spot. Like I have decided that is not something I do. I don't respond to large RFPs. I did it at the very beginning. It was very frustrating. (laughs) It was very soul crushing. I'm going to use that again. So I've made a decision and done just fine by not. But all of you have to make the decision about what's best for you. And there tends to be three different types of proposal opportunities with a large organization. One of them is for the procurement managers. So they're the tick box people. Uh, They have their their boxes to be ticked. And if you tick those boxes, you're going to get in. And now I know a few people who are incredibly good at that, but they're high compliance people that love that sort of work. And they're going to actually do less people work than they are to fulfill requirements. Right. Right. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other is where they're asking for tenders or proposal responses where they already have an incumbent. There's already someone in there. They just have to get two other quotes to show that they're doing their due diligence, right? You're not getting in. (laughs) (laughs) And they usually have a sneaky way of doing it saying that you need to create all this collateral, which the person who's already in there has already created. Therefore, they can discount their rate by 50%, right? That's a little trick. And the last one is there's also the opportunity, even in the biggest of organizations, to do exactly what I'm going to talk about today, which is to collaborate with a human, (laughs) with a person who actually wants something fixed and actually do this same proposal process with them and you'll get through. Excellent. So that's what we're going to focus on now. That sounds very exciting. Where do we begin? All right. Fantastic. Uh, I have a fairly simple process. And this is the interesting thing too. Uh, So I've did exactly what I said that other people are doing, which is to overcomplicate everything. I went through every single uh, sales strategy I could and I tested them all out and I did the, you know, the 20 steps and the, the bringing down the pressure and increasing the pressure and uh, you know, resistance and pressure and blah, blah, blah. There's lots of things. And the, uh, the same goes with proposals. So there's also different types of value and are you, you know, you're doing financial value, risk value, uh, quality value, speed value. There's all these different values. So I'm going to put all that to the side Thank you. And saying, if you want to dive into it, there is a lot to learn. But I've created a very simple process, which starts with one of four steps. And the first step is make friends. And it might seem absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of people go, well, I don't know about making friends. I want to, I want to build rapport. And that's cool because as coaches, we do want to have rapport. But what, what's great about friends is friends tell you secrets. Love right? that. And we want, to know that. we want to know the secrets. We want to know what's really going on. So that's how you know if you're actually, you build enough friendship or enough rapport, if you want to look at it that way. People will tell you the stuff that's behind the curtain, 
Mm -hmm. will tell you what's really going on financially, what's really going on with their resources, where the real problem is. And you need to know that before you step into the next one, which is fairly traditional and it's discovery. But it's really understanding what is not the problem, what are the problems, what's really going on for these people. This is really where the coaches love and live. You know, how do I get into the what is this causing? What is this, um, what is this affecting at a deeper level? All these different things. But in essence, really what you want to get to is the thing that they say they're having a problem with. You'll hear a hundred different needs. There'll be like be all sorts of stuff that you know. Oh, I could work with this person for 10 years. But you want to speak to the thing that they highlight. And then once I call it getting, it's terrible. Some of my things I go in my head, but I'm going to let them out. Get them on the pointy end and then infect them like a virus. So, you can spin that and make it the antidote. But the point is that you've actually got to get them at the point of, of problem. And then you can do your good work once you're behind the curtain. Okay. So if, so, if, if we're yeah. walking through your four steps, we start by making friends yep. and then we move into discovery. That's right. Okay. Yeah. You don't move out of discovery until you're very clear that this is the problem and you just need to say, so it sounds like this is the problem. And you say, so they go, well, actually it's not quite that. We well, go back into discovery, right? You, right? you spend the time there. And so that discovery portion tends to be the biggest part of any uh, collaborative sales conversation. That makes perfect sense. What else should we know about discovery or should we be thinking about when we're in the place of discovery? Well, this is, you know, we can use all our, you know, coaching questions and and things that are going to uncover things. We can, you know, read the person in front of us. We can do all those things. But at the end of the day, it's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So what they verbalize, not just what their body language is saying. Right. And so don't overthink it like, oh, well, this is their real issue. It doesn't matter if that's their real issue. It's what are they going to agree is their issue. Right. So sort of like you sell them what they want, what they really, and then you can take care of what they need, but you have to be hired first. And to be hired, that, that's right. you have that's to right. be hired by what they want. <laughs> that, that is a correct. So I'm working with a, uh, an amazing coach here in Australia at the moment who's doing some uh, deeper coaching work with me. Now, she met me where I was at and we're like seven months in and we're doing some really deep work I would never have agreed to. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great example. Right. Yeah. And so you meet them where they're at and you've got all sorts of people at all sorts of different levels of experience. Some have done uh, coaching work before, some have never done it. Some of, some people are very resistant to it. I know some people that hate the word coach. You know, it's interesting. But if you talk to them about the problem that they want solved, they don't mind what you call yourself. Right, right. Yeah. So we want to be curious. You want to ask your coaching questions. I cannot say this enough. And I know, audience, you've heard me say this on many a, an episode. You've got the skills already. Be a coach in the discovery. Explore. But to Russell's point, it's not about dissecting and diagnosing because we don't do that as coaches anyway. But like, what are they presenting? What do they see as the issue that they want to have resolved? And then also to your point, double check that is what I'm hearing this. And then yeah. it might be no, not quite that this. Yeah, it's almost if, if you're the, the, the cyber coach that wants to confirm the, the outcome at the start of a, a session, it's kind of like that, right? So the other thing to note is that that priority call that we had previously is like seven minutes, 10 minutes. It shouldn't be a long call. That's the point of just understanding those very th simple three things. 
And then I would suggest moving to another space to do this second call where there's intention behind it. The first one is just to identify, is there a need? The second is an intentional conversation. So this second conversation we're in, I like, you know, being efficient, (laughs) but it it shouldn't be about much longer than 45 minutes. Okay. So this is between the two conversations, we're at an hour. And what's great about the priority is you're uh, you're moving off anybody who's not right for you, therefore not spending an hour and an hour and an hour. Right. And I'm sure that a number of your listeners have experienced the the coffee chat. You know, I'll, I'll just buy you a coffee, and I'll, and then they pick your brain for an hour. They get you know free coaching for an hour. They get the the free advice for an hour, and you know it might have cost them five dollars. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know there's thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> in a coaching program gone. Right, right. So when you're engaging first, your first call is that, is this even a priority right now? Yeah. And, and, and the, do they identify that there is an, a, a problem to solve? Okay. And I would think that if they're not interested, they wouldn't schedule a second call anyway. And if you're hearing that, it, yes, it's a priority, but it's a priority for the second quarter of 2024, then maybe that's not something you're going to schedule that second call for. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can either in that first call, you can refer them out to something else. You can have them look at some videos or do some sort of downsell type thing. But understanding that if you bring that person into the discussion, you're going to get to the end of it. There's going to be major objections. If you send them a proposal, they're going to ghost you. You're going to chase them for six months and you might not even get a decision then. Right. So what you're doing is you're saving yourself heartache through having a process. And time. Yeah. Time and heartache. So, so yes, it is a priority for them. Yes. They want to talk with us again. So we schedule that discovery call. That's where we figure out what their pain points are. Yeah. What's cool about that too. If anyone, you know, you're doing tasking and, and, and the like through coaching, it's understanding that you're leading the discussion. So you're offering that next step. Yeah. So like, well, what would you like to do now? Sort of thing. It's like, you're, you're going, uh, well, it sounds like there may be something I can help you with. So let's schedule a call to see if and how I might be able to help. And that's why there's intention behind that call. And yes, you're 100%, 99% of people will take that. Okay. So then we've got the discovery call and you said, this is where a lot of our time is going to go. Although we want to be focused and specific and directional in that call so yeah. that it doesn't go on for days. It's a, like right. a 45 minute call. That's, that's correct. So we've made, we've made friends. We've done the discovery. They've said, yes, that's the problem. Now, normally in a sales uh, format of any sort, you'd move to solution. I don't like the idea of solutions. Solutions are just vehicles. I like the idea of having a problem and an outcome. It allows me to go, right, how do I design it? Moving back to my design roots, right? And uh, so this step I now call collaborate. Collaborate. Okay. And why do we collaborate? Because we want their buy-in. We want them to be part of the, the outcome. They want to, they, because they are going to be, but very much part of the outcome. In fact, probably most of the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're doing coaching. And so the collaboration step is well, uh, you bring in your, your arsenal. Now, you might have your 10 things that are sitting behind you as far as like, oh, I could pull all these out. I only bring out the things that are going to be relevant to the problem to be solved. Okay. So in my world, it could be a case, well, uh, it, it sounds like the problem is you're not getting consistent leads. You're not getting the consistent opportunities and you want to have them every second week. So every fortnight. Okay, great. Well, typically uh, the thing that actually solves that is this or, or this. The, these two things tend to be the way. Which one of these appeals to you the most? And you start doing that little bit of trial close, but at the same time, you're actually designing with a bit of a this or that facilitation. So you're, you are leading, but they have an opinion. 
your collaboration. With a large organization, it's even better because you go, well, uh, you know, with an organization like yours, typically we've done this and this, but one of the issues we've found is that. Have you found that to be true in your organization? Yes, I have. Right, well, we've got this third thing that's going to help address that piece. Would that be helpful? Yes, it would. So good. Okay. So we're inviting them into the design. That's correct. And the the design is usually fairly simple. Instead of having 10 things, it's usually three steps. And what I do in any coaching, consulting, strategic work is not do the work there with them. I'm not talking about the how we're going to do it. I'm talking about the milestones. So, you know, it sounds like what we need to do first is actually do a workshop that would be bringing those other members of the organization in so we can get very clear about how this is going to work inside your organization. And then you're in, you're doing the work, you're actually doing the design of the bigger brief. So the, uh, the collaborate piece is really an opportunity for you to design with all the different pieces that you're working with, but have them have a say in how it would work. So at the very end of this section, you can say, all right, well, it sounds like this, this, and this. If we do those things in that order and we start with this one, then that would probably solve the, the problem by the looks of things. Yeah, it would. Fantastic. And so you're both in agreement that this is the solution. Yeah, this is how we're going to actually solve it. But you've collaborated to get there. You haven't provided a solution. Right. Which all of us and, coaches and- know that that is a far better path forward. So wonderful. Beautiful. Uh, and then the final step is help say yes. Now, help say yes is different depending on who you're speaking to. So a large organization, you're, there may be a purchase order that needs to be produced. Now, to create a purchase order, you need to be on the books somehow, which means there's an application process that needs to be done. And before they can do that, they need to hire up to approve that you can be put on the books. And so you need to understand what that yes process is. Now, Frank Kern bit of a genius when it comes to advertising. Mm-hmm. He's been around for a while. Uh, he uses a pretty heavy-handed way of getting over this piece, which he goes, all right, so that sounds like they work. Yes, it would. What would you like to do? And he just leaves it open and they all go, well, how do we move forward? Well, we would probably sign this agreement and I'll send you the invoice for the first part and we can get started. Fantastic. All right, now that's a perfect world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is there's, there's been no proposal. And I want to invite you to consider (laughs) the opportunity that not every engagement requires a proposal because a lot of the time, and certainly in my world these days, that conversation is the last conversation we have before we work together. Which I think is beautiful. Because you're in agreement. Mm -hmm. You've, You've decided what you want to do. The next step from there is to actually set up a time to actually do the work, to start the work, to begin. And the two steps are there's an agreement so that when they come in, they're not going to uh, share other people's, you know, other clients' IPs and we're going to require a credit card. (laughs) And we do it right there. Now, everyone's going to have their different processes. There's going to be a thing that you're going to need. There's going to be steps that you're going to need in your business and there's going to be steps that they need to say yes. So with a large organization, it's usually like the person's right in, but you've got to remember in most large organizations, that person's an employee. Right. Which means they don't have the ultimate decision-making power to just say yes now. Right. Uh, what they can say is these are the steps. And so in a large organization, there may be a next step that does require a proposal. And I will touch on that in just a moment. Okay. Sounds good. With the ones where it's a much personal one, where it's the person in front of you who's going to do the work, who's making the decision. Maybe they're a business owner. Maybe they're the individual who's, who's got the relationship work to do. Self-work, there's hundred different things. There is an option of going, all right, well, would you like to start at the first week of the calendar month or would you like to start now? 
you know, that's a trial close. And for a lot of people, they go, yeah, I'll start then. Excellent. All right. Well, the steps are this and this. All right. Let's go. And they go through the process. Now, let's let's say a certain percentage of the time, I'm not going to quote anything, will say, oh, I don't know. Now, it's interesting because we haven't given the price. <laughs> that's right. And Yeah, right. And so a, a lot of the time, the, oh, what would you like to do? Or I'm going to send you this agreement. We're going to need a card. Okay. They will then, at the very least, they will ask. And it's cool. You let them ask. Right. How much is it? Now, from years of doing this sort of work, I always go to an anchor. I always go to something that actually reduces the perception of price. Uh, it's just something that I always do. It, 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 sometimes it's, it's not useful for other coaches. It certainly is for me. So if you know that your, your program is going to be, I don't know, $20,000. Okay. You can say, well, it's going to be far less than the cost of actually employing someone at 60, but it is going to be 20 for the 12 months. Okay. So mm-hmm. you put the anchor up there, you bring it back down. In the old web design days, I would say, you know, well, there's some websites that we're doing at around $12,000, but based off what we're talking about, I don't think you're going to need to spend that much. And I'm coming in under 10, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the price anchor is a useful step in that when you're about to say the price. But at the same time, if you're confident in your price, there's nothing wrong with it. You just, you know, it, well, it's $2,000 a month, whatever it is. It's, right. It's, just yeah. say it and then be quiet because that's the thing. I think sometimes we say our price and then we go in to justify the price or we do. I mean, just lay the price out and let them digest the price. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, uh, you- yeah, the, the, one of my, um, the first people that I worked with very closely in sales, we had a conversation and they asked, they asked me for something that was price related. And I said the price and we sat there, it was 60 seconds in silence. And she goes, yeah, you got the job. <laughs> and so it's a hundred percent about the, you don't need to speak. Right. You let them digest. You let them take mm-hmm. the breath. You actually pay attention because you're a coach to what's mm-hmm. going on. Right. All right. And uh, a lot of the time you'll get this, that's them saying, how am I going to pay for this? Versus, which is, I can't pay for this. Right. And the, so there's, there's the subtle cues in there, but at the same time, they'll say, look, I don't think I can afford that. Okay. Now, if it wasn't that price, let's say that it was free or some crazy thing that's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, what would you be saying? And I might go, hell yes. All right, well, let's work out a way to, to solve the price. And then there is a hundred ways to solve the price as far as like payment plans and schedules, other people paying, uh, sponsorships. There are so many different ways to solve price. Okay. But often they'll go, well, yeah, you say, if it was free, would you go ahead? Well, it's more about the time commitment. And then, okay, so how much time is this going to take? Because remember, you haven't told them anything about this. Right. How much time is this going to take? Oh, I don't know, actually. All right, well, what if it was just an hour a week? Oh, I can deal with that then. Well, what would you like to do? Well, let's go ahead. <laughs> and that's happened to me more than once. It's like, okay. that happens so a lot. What I'm hearing right there is don't make an assumption. There's this expression of get your head out of the other person's wallet. It's like, don't make up all these stories or determine what they can and can't afford. Just like, I love that Russell's saying, so get curious. So what yeah. is it? What's really the objection here? And so I did one literally last week, which was, oh, that's a bit costly. Oh, that's a bit time sensitive. All right. So if it was just a small amount of time, yeah, they got, I just have to run it past my partner. I'm like, okay. So if the partner says go, where it go? You go, a hundred percent. I'm like, all right, let's get her on a call. And we both got on a call. She asked a few questions and we were, we were more in because she was on board than we were before. Uh, and yeah, it was a hundred percent go, there's the card. So what I think is interesting there is that 
you didn't say, okay, we'll get with your partner and then get back with me. No, you said, no. all right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's and this get leads us to the call. whole point of today's conversation, which is print, it's all principle based. Everything in my world is principle based. So if you can avoid it, don't send a proposal because you don't need a proposal. If they need a proposal, and I'm going to give you the example. Okay. Coach is saying, well, I'll just send you a proposal and then uh, you'll let me know what you think and then we'll, we'll come back. That's a way to kill that conversation. That is a way to kill that entire uh, opportunity because number one, you're sending something they didn't ask for. You're sending something they didn't need. You're assuming um, we know what that does. And you're going to take the next pitfall, which is never send a lonely proposal. If you have to send a proposal, you're chaperoning that thing. You're going with it. <laughs> you're, you're taking it in. Yeah. You're taking it in. And so, um, so some people will send a loom video or something with a proposal. That's still a little bit of a lonely proposal. It's better than just a, a, a sheet of paper, but the you want to be there with it. You know, it's <laughs> I've never even thought of this. I got weird analogies that come. Imagine uh, you're walking your daughter to the to the door of the boyfriend's house, <laughs> and and you want to make sure what are they going to do with this proposal, right? Right, so, right. Where so you're there, and then then they're looking through the proposal and they go, "Oh, I just don't know about I don't know about point two. I don't think that's going to work for us." Now, if you weren't there. Point two doesn't work for them. They're not coming back to you. Right. And you're lucky if they, they come back to you because they, they've got bravery enough to tell you no. But most people, uh, two things will happen. They're like, I don't want to have that hard conversation. I'm just not going to have it. I'm going to not respond to you. I'm not going to take your calls. I'm going to ghost you. I'm going to disappear and turn into a ghost. Or the other side is, yeah, it looks okay, but I'm just going to think about it uh, because I, I can't make any decisions right now. I'm very busy and the world's busy and everything's busy. And then they forget about you. And then somebody at a barbecue says, by the way, are you thinking of doing this thing? They say yes. And then they get the deal. <laughs> and so that happens all the time. So never, yeah, never send a lonely proposal because if they don't like point two, you go, all right. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Get curious again. They go, well, we've had this in the past and that didn't work out the way you wanted. What was it about that it didn't work? They tell you the thing. Is, okay, well, our one's different because of this and it works in this way. Or no problem. We can take that out. And you can actually change the proposal there with them. Once again, being collaborative around what you're offering. Yeah, it almost needs to be. Now, uh, don't send lonely proposals. Even large organizations will enable, will they go, all right, well, we're going to need a proposal. 100%. When would you like me to deliver that with you? Yeah, And they, they, you actually do it there with them. You set up another appointment. And yeah, that's an old sales thing that you always have an appointment from the appointment you were just in. Uh, you don't set it up later. You set it up then when you're there with them. And it continues that conversation. Now, some of those bigger organizations where the deals are much bigger, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, even higher, you may need to have a number of conversations because there are a number of different people who need to have buy-in. Now, mm -hmm. the best possible way you can do that like I've done in the past with board of directors and the like is actually to attend their board of directors meeting and get them all in at the one time. And if you can bring all the people there at the one time, that's going to be far better. Uh, the, but any time that you send a documentation that doesn't include you, that is not one that third type of proposal for the large organization that's just for the procurement manager, you are putting your fate into the gods. Uh, it's a roll of a dice as to whether you get it because it, it comes down to what is impacting them in their life that's out of your control. Right. So yeah, you have the option. You can choose to do that, that kind of, and I know that for some people that's successful, but I will say that there are many different ways to get business and, and doing a huge proposal 
based upon an RFP where you don't know anybody and you don't know where it's going. I would, that's not where I put my time and energy, but you, you obviously have an option to do whatever you choose. To. I, I, and I know some successful people who, who do that. Mm-hmm. Their business model is set up to do that. They know that they're going to win maybe one in five. They know they're going to win, you know, one in 10. And that's absolutely fine because of these massive deals and they're just right. sending proposals all day. That's the work that they do versus the conversational work that most of us want to do. Right. So good. Anything else that we want to think about in the way of, so basically this conversation is kind of turned around to, in some ways, like try to avoid doing proposals, have yeah. coaching conversations instead. Well, it can be, but it's, I think that the, the conversation is really, what is the intention of what you're doing right now? Is it to get become, have an agreement and then move to next steps? If it is, then most of the time a proposal is not necessary. But if there are multiple stakeholders that all have to sign off on it, then sometimes a proposal is a good way, but there are other ways. And if you are going to do a proposal, the, the proposals I tend to do these days are much more like little webinars <laughs> than they are like a written formal proposal on you know, fool's cap sheets. Like it is, uh, here's slides. And I have big, broad slides that goes, Here's point one. This is what we're going to accomplish. Here's point two. This is what we're going to accomplish. Here's point three. Here's the things we need to be concerned about. Here's the outcome that we're actually looking to do. Uh, here's our next step. And you're there presenting it with them. They're asking questions as you're going through. So it's very much more like a, a webinar with a small audience. And you can send that to them if you like. But at the end of the day, usually it's a purchase order, which becomes the, the mechanism, or it's a, uh, an invoice or a receipt after the fact. Okay. No, that's really helpful and interesting. And I'm willing to bet making people think differently about how they engage. And you couldn't do that presentation. You couldn't do any of that if you hadn't started with uh, making friends and having that discovery, because that's what leads to having the information you need to be able to put into that. Correct? Yeah, it's an interesting situation for a coach to respond cold to a proposal request because in business, in marketing, in sales, there is no like and trust. And this is a thing that's been around for eons. But a lot of people confuse it and they think they need to know who I am, they need to like me, and they need to trust that I can do the job. But there's it's a two-way street. You need to know them. If you don't know them, then you're going, well, I'm just going to work with anyone. You need to like them because you could be stepping into a thing where you're going to end up with this, this role that you, you despise in some cases. Right. And finally, you need to trust that they're going to do the work to get the outcome. And so Otherwise, it's, it's going no to reflect on you. It I really mean, is. It and really it's also does. going to affect the biggest thing that I think is the point of being in business anyway, is the business should be giving you a lifestyle that you want. It should be giving you a life that you want. And if you're actually designing it, in a way that it aligns to the work that you love doing, then you're always going to have a business you love. Russell, thank you so much for bringing all of this knowledge forward. If people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to, to do so? Uh, RussellPearson.com. That's double S double L, the way Russell should be spelled. RussellPearson.com uh, is where you can find out more about what I'm doing and, and all those sort of things. I'm also all over uh, social media. so uh, And we'll have all those links in the, social, in the show notes for this episode. Yep. Thanks again for uh, helping us. I really think help us look differently at what proposals are all about and how we want to engage with that. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate uh, the opportunity and it's always good to speak to you. All right, then. Let's admit it. We are thinking differently now about proposals due to all the great information Russell gave us. I want to thank Russell Pearson again for joining the show. If you want to know more about Russell and the work he does and connect with him, go to starcoachshow.com slash 308. And in the show notes, you'll get links to connect with Russell. In my members-only content with Russell, we discussed what the number one question his clients ask him. Remember, he works with frustrated business owners. So what's the number one question that they ask him and how does he answer that question? If you want to know more about joining our Star Coach community, check that out at starcoachshow.com. Next week, I'm joining you for a solo session with me and you to talk about your evolution as a coach. How do we responsibly grow and evolve as a coach? What are some of the things we need to think about and actions we need to put in place? If you're enjoying the show, I would ask you to consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen. There are so many platforms that I know you're accessing the show through. And every time you leave a rate and review, it will help somebody else find the show. So thank you in advance for that. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next.